We do a live intro. What's the matter with you? <laughs> oh, shit. Is it on? Welcome to The Shark Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into UCLA postgame, a game that kind of met expectations, kind of disappointed, kind of has us excited. It was all everything in one. It, it was a hell of an experience out in LA, and Coastal Carolina unfortunately is headed home with a 27-13 loss. Now the scoreline kind of reflects that. They, they were close. It was 14-13 to 13 entering the fourth quarter. Coastal Carolina had a chance to win, but didn't pull it out in the end. But, again, I feel really optimistic moving forward. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But, Josh, I know this was your first experience at the Rose Bowl on the West Coast. Like, this is, you know, a, a dream that, that I've had for years. Is, is it the same for you to, to finally find yourself in the Rose Bowl as a member of the media? Yeah, man, it it was absolutely, I mean, incredible. Everybody was was very helpful, very nice to us. Um, we got to go down on the field pregame and get some shots for YouTube and all of that stuff. So the Rose Bowl did not disappoint itself. Um, the light show and everything was incredible. The game atmosphere, even though it wasn't packed, was incredible. Um, yeah, and and the game, the game, it was a good game. Um, there were four possessions where. The game score was 13-14, to 14, so team, both teams were going back and forth. And, and we'll probably talk about this, but first, second and 10 at the UCLA 24-yard line with 528 in the third, we're down by one. Grayson McCall throws an interception, and we were in control in the third quarter up until that point, and pretty much it fell off the rails after that. But the whole third quarter we had them right where we wanted them, and we just couldn't take we couldn't get that last hit on them to really put them down because at that point in the game they hadn't put Dante Moore back in yet and who knows what would have happened if Coastal scores a touchdown there or even a field goal um so we were in the game with them played toe-to-toe with them the entire time and I'm, I'm proud of the effort of this team yeah, I, I really am too. I think that they pulled it together in, in a way that we weren't expecting. Honestly, I knew Coastal Carolina was going to be competitive in this game. I still picked UCLA to win in the pregame episode, but I didn't expect it to be a win like this. This defense took leaps and bounds in the, the last six months since we saw them. They are honestly one of the best units that I've seen Coastal Carolina put out on the field. And to say that after losing, well, giving up essentially 45 points per game in our last three games last season, to come out to L.A. on, you know, the the Rose Bowl turf to take on a Power 5 team that, let's be frank, has more talent than you do, and to only give up 27 points, that's an amazing, you know, turnaround for this squad. Jordan, what did you see from the defense that has you excited moving forward? Uh, safety play was was very key. I think that that was, I think that was something that was I saw that was big. Uh, safety play. Uh, I think that 
Uh, Clayton Isbell. Heisman. Hey. He's on pace for 36 interceptions. Yeah, he had a big game. <laughs> Three interceptions, and the last one was very key. Was actually what we were looking for. I literally was up there. They were all at key times. Yeah, all at key times. But that, I think that one was the most key because, I mean, we were trying to get back in the game. They were about to score. It Literally, I was up there in the press box telling the guys, man, I sure wish we could get a turnover. And the very next play, Christian – not Christian. Clayton Isbell hits uh, the interception. So, it's, it's it was a good game. It was a good game. And I think the defensive line played really well as well. You know, defensive line hasn't been um, as good of late the last couple of years. And now it felt like a, fresh, a breath of fresh air, you know, getting to see the defensive line get out these guys uh, for UCLA, get tackles, get hits on the quarterback. Um, linebacker play was good. JT Killen had some some good big time hits. He had a he had a few tackles as he well. Um, the only thing I can say, I mean, you know, we just can't get beat on one on man on man because um, Dante Moore, freshman for UCLA, um, literally after they got the ball back, he throws one play sixty two yards, and it was man on man coverage. That's the only thing I got a problem with. I think our man-on-man coverage needs to be better. But if you would have asked me before this game that we would help hold UCLA to under 30 points, I wouldn't believe you. But it's a good sign. And this defense is only going to get better as the season goes on. And look out for Clayton Isbell and these guys because if he had three picks today – Jacksonville State better get ready. Yeah. It's going to be something. Last year, um, all of our losses, we gave up at least 45 points. So, to lose a game giving up 27 means you were in it the whole time. And and if you had told us pregame that we were only going to give up 27, um, we would have probably told you that Coastal would have won the game if you had just told me that. Yeah. Well, and a point I want to add on that that Jordan had was that – 62-yard touchdown was the difference in this game. One busted coverage by Coastal Carolina was the difference in a game against a Power 5 opponent on mm-hmm. the opposite coast. You had to travel across the country in five hours. They played with jet lag. I know they did. Like I, I, I've been here for a couple of days, and I'm still <laughs> not 100% adjusted. Like and... I don't know how they did it on essentially 24 hours. I don't know how they, they managed to do that. But they did, and they were good, and they were competitive. But this <laughs> this is breaking news to Shauna Clear Network, uh, uh, Nation, Teal Nation. We made a defensive adjustment. <laughs> mm-hmm. We did. We, we changed Craig. the way that we were playing. Yeah, honestly. And, you know... We were we came out on that first drive. We were playing a lot of zone. We were playing off the ball. We were. It looked like last year's defense. It looked like they had just said, you know what, what Chad Stives was doing was working. Let's just keep going. And UCLA marches down the field. Looks like you know the second coming of of two thousand six USC with with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner. And then they immediately make an adjustment. After halftime. Yeah, they, they well, they made an immediate adjustment to play closer to their man. They right. still played a lot of zone, but they were, weren't giving as much cushion. 
And then at halftime, they switched to man coverage completely. And yes, that cost us that touchdown, right? If you're in zone coverage, you got a safety over the top to help out. Maybe he doesn't bust that route. You know, it's a 50-yard gain instead of a 62-yard touchdown. But that adjustment allowed our defensive line to, to really impact this game. I made a note, I don't know, somewhere in between the first and, and second quarter. I said, I said, the defensive line is playing really well but the defensive backs are not giving them enough time to make a difference. And that changed in the second half. Our defensive line was was getting pressure, was getting in the quarterback's faces, was forcing mistakes. Two of, of Isabel's interceptions came off of the quarterback being hit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, the, the one from, from Dante Moore, he got folded like a lawn chair. He got hit right on the hip and, and folded up, and it floated into the hands of, of Isabel, and it was a really easy interception in the end zone. But, yeah, I think this game, you know, one of my notes that I took is I say Coastal Carolina does not look outpaced or outcoached. They look like they're just a smaller school. And when you play games against bigger schools, the, the two areas that you are going to lose most often our offensive line and defensive line. Our defensive line held their own and were amazing. Our offensive line, as one of my other notes said, will be our Achilles heel for the entire season. They were pathetic mm. and awful and atrocious and bad. And, oh, uh, my, favorite, my favorite note that I took all game, uh, Will McDonald is useless again. So, that's the offensive line we're dealing with. But, Josh, I'll turn it over to you. They, they were atrocious this game. And Sam Pinckney said in, in the, the post game, he was, like, trying to praise them. And, like, oh, they, they were doing their job. They were working hard. But I, I really didn't see it. Um, you know, Coach Beck said in the post game presser that, oh, well, it was because the UCLA was in bare front and they kept bringing pressure and so forced us into a lot of one-on-ones. But, I mean, our offensive linemen ended up on their ass more than UCLA's defensive linemen did, and that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, um, and that really showed in the red zone. Um, we had one – we had a couple of interceptions in the red zone, but there was at one point where we got to the five-yard line and we couldn't do anything and we had to kick a field goal. That was like, like twenty. Any field goals, it, it should be illegal to kick a twenty-nine yard or under field goal. You should have to go for it. I don't know. Um, I think that's a rule that they should implement. We couldn't get anything going in the red zone. The offensive line didn't allow us to really, really get in a rhythm at all on offense. We had the touchdown drive um, in the third quarter, but it was off of a fifty-yard catch from Sam Pickney where Grayson got killed. And then a couple plays later, Grayson got killed, and he threw a twenty-five-yard touchdown to Sam Pickney. Um, that was now that was basically every play in between them. That drive was like a run for like two yards. We couldn't establish the running game. We averaged one point six yards a carry, um, so we couldn't switch the offense up once we really got into the second the second half. Honestly, um, and it was just like that drive was just miracles of two plays getting it off where Sam Pickney just goes up and gets a rebound over somebody. Offensive line was terrible. Um, if they're just a little bit better in that game, we win the game. We don't have three points off turnovers. Um, that was a note that I had. Um, 
I said two turnovers, we would win. And then I adjusted. I said, we need 10 points off turnovers and we'll win. And we got three off three turnovers. And the offensive line was a big part of that. No, and, and especially in the running game, that's that's definitely where it hurt us the most. And then Grayson, good thing he put on 15 pounds because he used every one of those pounds tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, he got pulled out at one point. I We assume from the press box that he was put in concussion protocol. Right? We don't have the media broadcast to tell us what happened. We, we have to judge based on what we saw. But that was the only play he missed, and he took an absolute beating this game and and if you want Grayson McCall for his last season in Teal and Bronze to play all 12 games it's not gonna you, be like that yeah you can't have performances like this Mm-mm. I know UCLA's sack numbers weren't crazy but Grayson McCall got hit on almost every passing play yep there were maybe a handful of passing plays the entire game where Grayson McCall had a clean pocket and had and didn't get hit after he threw the ball. And ten tackles for loss. Yeah, yeah. Ten. UCLA had ten tackles for loss. And so, like, not only was it Grayson, it was the running backs couldn't get going. And and we talked in, in the off season about this running back room being the best in the Sun Belt. Well, they can't perform as the as the talent that they are when they get the ball and two seconds later they're getting hit. Right. Not even two seconds. Half a second on some plays. There was a one-fourth down where Braden Benny got touched and should have been tackled yeah. two yards behind the line of scrimmage on fourth down. He hit that B button real quick, spun, and reached for the first down. Like It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it was atrocious performance from them. And, you know, this offensive line has not been good for a long time. The Mighty Mites in 2020 made it work, but they weren't good either. They if, just, if they, they played a team like this, they would have been worse than this, too. Right, and, and they, they made it work, but it wasn't good. And now you see when you play good opposition, and this UCLA defensive line will be the best that Coastal plays all mm. season. However, you cannot allow a team like this to demoralize your entire team. You, you can't allow the defensive line of UCLA to win them the game. And they pretty much did. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina, you mentioned that 27-yard field goal or whatever it was that should mm-hmm. be illegal anyways. They missed that. My last note that I took is, is one that, that I think honestly was the the consensus opinion in the press box between all the Coastal guys and even some of the UCLA guys was like, if Coastal Carolina clean up their mistakes, their turnovers, and their missed field goals, they probably win that game. No, um, they missed, we missed a 32, and then we made the, it's a 22-yard field goal, which makes Oof. it even worse. <laughs> but that's twi- two examples of that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I think if they cleaned up those mistakes, they won. But that leads us to probably the most pivotal play in the game, which is weird that it is, but it's the one play that we have to break down on here. Tim Beck's decision to kick a 55-yard field goal with Coastal Carolina. It's the fourth quarter. There's about 13-ish minutes left. And he trots Liam Gray out there. And in the press box, there was audible, like, you saw the change of personnel coming in and everybody, all right, we send in the punt team. They're not going to go for this like fourth and one. 
And then everybody kind of goes, oh, they're kicking the field goal. And we realized that Liam Gray was on the field and not Evan Crenshaw. And he misses it. It gives UCLA really good field possession. They bring in Dante Moore, who, let's be fair, was UCLA's best quarterback by a country mile. How he didn't win the starting job, I'll never know. Yeah, But he comes in, hits that 62-yarder on the very next play. Jordan, what was going through your head... You know, before that 55-yard field goal, and then what happened immediately after? Do you think it was the right decision by Tim Beck to line up for that field goal? At first, I, I'm not going to lie. At first, I didn't think it was the best decision at the time. But after the, you know, now that I've got time to think about it, I think it kind of was. I think it was the best. Best. The only reason I say that is because we were fighting and clawing the whole time to get back into this game. And if Liam Gray makes that kick, we're, we got the lead. Yep. Dante, Mo- Dante Moore's 62-yard touchdown doesn't happen. Right. They're, they're going to have to come from behind, and we get to see a true freshman have to try to come back in a first time, like really his first time in a comeback, come from behind situation. So I kind of feel why Tim Beck would go after and try to do that. I get it because at the time, you know, we had been down the whole game. And I guess he felt like that was the best decision to go out there and try to get this field goal and try to take the lead. And at first I was like, what are you doing? Why are we sending this guy out here for a 55-yarder? And I didn't even know Liam Gregg could even kick that far. And he had the distance. People were people were, people make it seem like he didn't he was short. He had the distance on that kick. He just missed it. It went I think wide right. By wide like right by foot now. Yep. He like, had it. The ball grazed the post as it went by. From where we were, it kind of looked like he made it at first. Yeah, it really did. Press box. Like he had it. So I'm not gonna sit here and say there were some some fans on social media that were saying, you know, we should have went for it on fourth down. I, I, I gotta disagree on that because we hadn't been we hadn't been moving the ball all game really, and then if you put yourself in that situation where we didn't even try to try to get a, get the lead, then we're gonna be in a worse situation than we were in. So I think that it was the right call by Coach Beck. Um, Liam Gray will probably have some opportunities later on in the season to try to kick another fifty five yarder, and I feel like he'll make it the next time. Um, but I like the call. I think we if we if we hit it, then you know, who knows what's gonna happen later on down the rest of the game. But I think that you know to try to get the lead against a power five school, you know, we have been fighting back. I think that was a good call. Yeah, and that score makes it look a lot worse than it is. It was a one score game until five thirty nine in the fourth. That's true. Yeah. We we had a chance. We had the ball with eight minutes to go, down by eight. Yeah. We had plenty of chances. And we chances. had a chance to take the lead six minutes before that. We had plenty of chances. Yeah. And and two things that I want to add on to that is that if we kick that field goal and we make it, I don't think Dante Moore comes into the game. I think they stick with Garbers. Who's garbage? He is, <laughs> honestly. He is. Because I don't think Chip Kelly trusts a true freshman to lead a comeback. I know they would have only been down two points. But I was so much more scared of what Dante Moore could do than, than Ethan Garbers, and it wasn't even close. No. 
But I think that if we had hit that field goal, I think it changes how Chip Kelly thinks about that game and how he thinks about his quarterback situation. Because we know, watching that game, that Ethan Garbers was named starter because he knew the offense, not because he was the best quarterback. Yeah, and he was just game managing, dink and dunk the whole time. Correct. That's all he did. He did nothing flashy. And so that's my first thing is that I don't – A, obviously you make the field goals so then you have to kick off so the 62-yarder doesn't – doesn't happen. Right. It never happens. But B, I think it, it means that Dante Moore doesn't come in the game at all. The second point that I want to make is that the only reason this play is talked about is because it, it didn't work. But if you look at the three options that, that Coach Beck had in that situation, it was like fourth and two. Yeah. On a fourth, fourth and, and three. Two, was it fourth and yeah. three? So on a fourth and three, what's the most common play call Pardon. for most teams? Right in that situation, like if you're gonna go for it, what are you doing on fourth and three? Not running the ball. Well, you are. You are gonna we run, the ball. run the ball. We, we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't run the ball. One point six yards so, of carry is not gonna so get you what, three yards. What play call were you gonna call when UCLA is gonna? You know they were gonna blitz seven, eight guys. On that, they they were doing it all game. They knew that once they got Coastal Carolina's O line in one on one situations, they couldn't handle. That sounds like Trips left Grayson McCall stretcher to me. Oh God. yeah, and <laughs> so like, I don't trust Coastal Carolina to get three yards in that situation. I really don't. I know our offense at that point in the game was rolling, but I don't know how you get three yards if it isn't you know a jump ball to Sam Pinkney. <laughs> That's a 50-50, and he's the best one-on-one receiver in the group of five. I agree. So that option's off the table. If you punt it, you change field position. You hope that you down the ball at the inside the five. But what if you kick it out of the, into the end zone, and then it, it's essentially a 20-yard punt? Yep. That option's off the table. The only option you have left, and the best option you have, is to send Liam Gray out there, who you've seen make 55-yarders in warm-up. Tim Beck said as much in the post-game press conference. He's like, I've seen him nail him from 50 in, in pregame. I said know he, he can booming him. So that's your only option. That's your best option. You take the lead in the fourth quarter against a Power 5 team that you are two touchdown underdogs to. Again, the only reason we're talking about that play is because it didn't work. And then the very next play, you give up the game-changing, game-defining moment. That's the only reason that play matters. Yeah. And so I think Tim Beck made the right call. I think the execution was there. He missed it wide right by about two feet. From 55 yards out. I'd like to see any of those people that were criticizing that try and hit that kick. Guarantee you, you hit the back of your snap, your long snapper in the ass. <laughs> Right, that you you're not getting anywhere close to what Liam Gray did, so I, I think that while that play mattered, I think that what Coastal did and what Coastal chose to do was the right thing to do in that situation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mentioned him very briefly there um, before we wrap up. I want to talk about Sam Pinkney. Um, he very well may be the best one-on-one receiver. In the country, yep. I know he for a fact is in group of five. 
every ball... preseason hype is warranted. Yes, I was a little apparently. Yeah, I was a little. I believed in Sam Pinkney and I knew Sam Pinkney was good, but when the all preseason teams started coming out and like the the you know all you know Belenikoff Award you know watch list and all those things, I was like Sam Pinkney's on that and not Jerry Brown. Right. right. That's that's what I thought. Yeah. Right. And. It's now clear. it's, it's clear. very clear that like oh yeah actually they knew what they were talking about and I think the reason I had that perception coming in was because he had a thousand yards last year and it was the quietest thousand yard well I mean he was four yards short but the quietest thousand yard season ever because he only had three touchdowns and I think that that impacted the way that I think but my God, number 15 is one of the best athletes that I've seen play live. Yeah. And one of the crowning jewels in Tim Beck's takeover of this program, convincing him to come back and stay at Coastal for one more season. His chemistry with Grayson is absurd. That one pass on, oh, yeah. on the sideline that Grayson dropped it in between two dudes, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Sam, yeah, Sam had a hell of a game. That was a beautiful He's going to watch film, though. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> they brought him in to, to do the press conference. And, you know, you guys have listened to two Sam Pinckney uh, interviews on this podcast channel. And, and you guys know the personality that guy has. When he is in team mode after <laughs> games like that, he's a completely different person. You know, he went into that interview. It was just, oh, yeah, the old line did a good job and 10 did a good job. And. You know, I, I, I'm just blessed to be here with this coaching staff. It's we can't like, do anything until we watch film. Yeah, we can't do anything <coughs> until we watch film. Like it was, it was funny to watch him be in team mode rather than, than in. Oh, I'm on this stupid podcast. I'm just gonna say like what I actually. <laughs> he feel. said we're dropping fifty. Yeah, so they can't double everyone. So like that, that that was weird. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, standout performance from him. He gets by player of the game. Uh, I, I don't think there's much question about it. I think I think he has to get it. I, I think there are legitimate arguments to be made for for Grace McCall and a couple of other guys. Clayton Isbell, three picks. Yeah, I'll let you guys. I'll make your picks here, but I think for me, it's Sam Pickney. He was, you know, when UCLA is trotting out four and five star cornerbacks and mm. safeties, and he's making them look like you know they they play for the you know the University of Vermont Ski Patrol. <laughs> like that's just. Uh, that's insane to me that we've got that guy on our sideline. Josh, I'll turn it over to you. What? Uh, who's your? Who gets your game ball? It's it's got to be Clayton Isbell for me. Um, I sat on the plane over. I had sat between. His mom was right next to me on the plane. Um, and at first we, we didn't talk about Clayton Isbell one time. Nope, not not in our defensive second. back preview. Nothing. Um, and I sat next to his family on the way over here, and they were saying that. The depth chart wasn't out, but they were hoping that he got to play. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll be playing um, quite a bit of football games for us and starting at safety. He's made reads on every play. That first interception, um, we were playing zone coverage, and he jumped the route, stepped right in front of him. He, he didn't let the play come to him. He went out and made the play, um, which is something that we haven't seen from safety since really Alex Spillum was the only guy that would do stuff like that. And Clayton Isbell is, is tall. He's tall, fast, transferred from Utah, so he's a power five talent. Um, yeah, and cool dude too. He was he was great in the press conference. He was a little more happy, but I mean he had a hell of a game. He said first time he's ever gotten three interceptions, so 
that dude single-handedly kept us in the game. Um, the first interception, we were reeling on defense, and they were about to go up 14 nothing to start the game in the first quarter. And he made that interception, and then we went and got a field goal to make it 7-3. If he doesn't do that, um, who knows how fast the game could have snowballed. So I think Clayton Isbell gets my player of the game. And now the Clayton Isbell hype train is, is leaving the station, and shit, he's he's – like our best defensive player. I don't know. Honestly, reaction maybe, but that dude's incredible. Yeah, that dude was really good. And it was funny, Tim Beck said in that post-game press conference, he's like, that's an NFL safety. He plays like an NFL safety. That's what I said in my question to him that we didn't really hear much about him all summer. He said, he'd been doing this all summer. He said, we knew. Yeah. Hmm. Jordan, your player of the game. I'm going to give it to the... I'm going to give it to the defense. There's no particular oh, player. That's I'm, the Sam Pickney answer. No, it's not. I'm going to I got to give Can't it to I got to give defense. it to the, I got to give it to the whole defense just Jesus. because of Guys, we didn't give up 30 points. Do you know how refreshing that is? <laughs> like we <laughs> did was not, the last time we, we did that. We haven't given up we, October of last year. Man, it's been a long time since we we haven't gave up 30 points to a team and man, it just felt really good. I, that was the one of the bright sides of this whole entire game was just not seeing 30 points or more on the, on their uh, scoreboard. So there's no particular player. I mean, kudos kudos to uh, Grayson, you know. Man, taking all that punishment, man, those 15 pounds really did help him, man, for sure, because yeah. he took a beating today, and I'm pretty sure they got to give him an ice bath for sure on the way back to Conway. But Hot tub? No hot tub on the plane? No, we don't have prime money. <laughs> we don't have that kind of money, but, I mean – Everybody else on defense, though, kudos to them and great uh, play calling by our new defense coordinator, uh, Craig Napier. So um, everybody did great, and I look forward to seeing what they do next week against Jacksonville State. Yeah, if you had told me that we were going to score 13 points and still cover the spread, I, I would not have believed it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I, I would have. Yeah, you were. Take the so, money. What are you smoking? Yeah, honestly. So, But with that, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Follow us on we X talk about at. What um, we the, got the fans? We oh, never shout out the fans, yeah, yeah. tailgate, yeah, before, everything, before we, man. Yeah, honestly. So, bef- before we wrap it up, I'm sorry. Uh, we <laughs> try to go to bed. Listen, <laughs> it is it is 12:33, and I got an 8 8 a.m. flight essentially. Jesus. So, um, but we went out and we got to the stadium super early, and. We decided we're going to walk through the tailgates, we're going to get to the coastal fan zone, and we're going to hang out with people, we're going to film a little bit, we're going to, you know, see all the people that, that traveled the entire way across the country uh, to be to be with Coastal at this game, and there was so much teal. It was impressive. I mean, we, we talked to a couple of people, there's a couple of social media posts up, and, you know, there was, there was so, there was, for a game that's 3,000 miles away, there was a heck of a lot of teal, and they were loud in the stadium when, um, when Isabel got his second yeah. interception, you could hear audible, CCU, CCU yep. in the press box, like, it was, it was incredible, and, um, shout out to, to the UCLA Bruins fans as well, we were walking through those tailgates, <laughs> and it is a long walk essentially so if you don't know outside the Rose Bowl it is essentially just a golf course that they turn in mm-hmm. into their parking lots it's weird it's true but yeah. 
it's a long walk from the stadium to lot seven where they were having the the coastal uh, fan meetup, which had eventually got moved to lot five, which was a little bit closer. But we were making our way out there, and we would walk past you know UCLA fans and. They were offering us tri-tip steak and, and fireball and, and fireball and and, <laughs> and a beer and water. Like they were super hospitable. They they are hosp. They had they had a little bit of southern hospitality on the west coast. So it, it was it was a really cool environment to be in. And yeah, we <laughs> at one point we we were at essentially the coastal main meetup. We were hanging hmm. out and giving out business cards and just you know talking to the fans there before we headed into the stadium. And this this group of three UCLA fans just came up and like, hey, we bought a handle for just you guys. And they came up, they had Dixie cups and a handle of Fireball. <laughs> they were just going around giving out shots to everybody. So, um, yeah, I, I, a big thank you to uh, to all the UCLA fans and, and the people at the Rose Bowl that made uh, Coastal Carolina feel super welcome yeah. here. Um, we don't get that. We don't. Well, if we went up to Boone, it wouldn't be like that. No, and that's the thing, right? Is is we don't get that very often. So shout out to um, Justin Cavanaugh, um, Quigs. We saw the shrimps. Um, Kyrie's parent. We saw everybody. Out yeah, we there. saw a it was lot. crazy. It was a lot of fans. And a, lot a lot of people, people that listen. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So. But with that, I'll go ahead and actually wrap it up this time. Follow us on X at The Shant Show. Follow Little us I on X. Instagram uh, at Shant Show. And uh, YouTube, The Shant Show. We'll have a, a vlog about our whole L.A. trip up there real soon. So uh, with that, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. As always, Shant's up. Fire Cliff Ellis. Get him out of here.